today be turning to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, taking up where we left off last Sunday, Mark chapter 14, and we're going to give our attention today to the betrayal of Judas Iscariot. Um, you know, betrayal is a horrible thing, um, and though we don't often think about Judas probably, and we think about important characters in the Bible, um, what he did is worth looking at and learning from. Um, at least 16 times in the New Testament, the betrayal of Judas is spoken of. That's a lot. But it's also prophesied in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at it together. Mark chapter 14. And if you're able to stand, stand with us for the reading of the scripture today. So good to see you. We're going to begin reading in verse 12. Verse 12. Or excuse me, verse, verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 10. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, when the chief priests heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, unto, the, unto Jesus, Where wilt thou that we, should, that we would go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water, follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say you to the goodman of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. We'll look at this more in our next lesson, but let's continue to read here. You'll find a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city. And found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him, one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word today. We Look forward to just studying together and learning together and being reminded of truths and not only seeing uh, this infamous character, Judas, as he is, the, the way Satan worked in his life, but God help us to even examine our own hearts. Lord, I uh, think about these disciples when Jesus announced to them that one of you will betray me and they questioned could it be me so I pray that you'd use the lesson today help us to be attentive help us to take your word in our moments together seriously 
We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's just begin uh, today by just kind of reminiscing a little bit about the life of Judas Iscariot, some things we know about him. It says in verse 10 there as we began, Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, he was one of the twelve apostles, one of the twelve closest to Jesus. Think about this man now, if you would, please. You know, he spent three years with Jesus, closer than most people would ever do, along with the eleven others. He served the Lord. He, he, he was involved in ministry. He traveled. He, he, he was an evangelist. He was a gospel preacher. He was right there with Peter and James and John and others. And um, a lot of people, I think, were helped. You may th- never think about this, but I think a lot of people were helped by Judas. They heard his message. These disciples were sent out with power to heal people, raise people from the dead, preach the gospel. A lot of people were helped by Judas. He he witnessed firsthand the miracles of Jesus. I've read these miracles as you have many, many times over the years and imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to feed the 5,000, for instance. But Judas was there. He didn't just watch it, he participated in it. He was one one of the 12 who would take the fish and the loaves that Jesus broke and he would distribute and watch it miraculously multiplied. He was there. He was in the boat when Jesus walked on the water. And and when Jesus spoke to the stormy winds and said, Peace be still, Judas heard his voice. Jesus saw how how nature itself submitted to the power of Jesus. He saw him raise people from the dead. So this is who Judas was. You might think of him as being a person who was just obviously to everyone around him a crook. And everybody knew who he was, but that's not how he was. He was one of the twelve. And he was trusted. He was a trusted disciple. How you, what makes you think that? Because he was the treasurer. We, we talked about this the other day, last week. Maybe. He held the bag. That means he had the money. He, you know, he went, and it was that outpouring. Remember, we talked last week, I believe it was, about this. When, when Mary just poured out this lavish offering... He, was, he witnessed that, and, uh, and really I think that was sort of the, the breaking point, the tipping point, the, the um, straw that broke the camel's back for Judas. He could not handle it. Let's just back up a few verses and look at that. If you would please, in Mark chapter 14 and verse 4 it says, or in verse 3, it talks about this woman having this alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, She broke the box, poured it on his head, verse 4, and there were some that had indignation within themselves. Some, not just some of the religious leaders, but some of the disciples. And said this, why was this waste of the ointment made? In one of the other gospels, this quote is, is credited to Judas himself. Why are we wasting this money? This woman's lavish offering, why are we... Why are we doing this? Verse 5, for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. This money could have been used for a better cause than worshiping the Lord, and we could have given it to the poor. They murmured against her, and in murmuring against her, they were murmuring against him. But this, this happened, and then we have verse 10 where it says, And Judas, one of the twelve, went out unto the chief priests. As soon as this happened, this great moment happened, 
Judas immediately went and betrayed Jesus and went to the chief priest and, and concocted this scheme for how he might turn Jesus over to them. You know, he, he, he didn't agree with this. He didn't agree with what Jesus was doing. He didn't agree with this, this money that was wasted in his opinion. He, he suggested that a better idea would be to give it to the poor, but his idea got shot down. You know, for, I don't think for Judas, uh, this was an instantaneous, or I should, I should, yeah, instantaneous um, activity or attitude that he had toward Jesus. I think, I think this was a process. And it was a culmination of many decisions. I, personally, I don't think in the very beginning when Jesus chose Judas, and I don't think when the, the miracles were seen of the feeding of the 5,000 and the raising people from the dead, I don't think Jesus thought in the beginning that he could ever imagine he would end up where he was. It just happened over a course of time. It happened over a period of time. And this event here, though, was like the breaking point. You know, someone told me many years ago, and I've never forgotten this. They said, you never really know where a person stands till you tell them no. And that's what happened to Judas right here. When he said, I don't agree with this, I think we ought to give it to the poor. And Jesus said, no. What we're doing is the right thing. That was the breaking point. He just it put him over the edge. Um, John's, in John's gospel, we're not going to turn to it, but in John's gospel, it says this. This said he, the quote we just read, Judas, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag and bare what was put therein. So this, we're watching in our text, we're watching as a man goes from a person who's not really a believer, he's not really committed to Christ, but he's a preacher and he's going along and he, keep, and he disagrees with the way things are doing until finally he caved. Hold your finger here in Mark chapter 14. And I want us to go to Matthew 20, 26 for just a moment. And I want to notice in Matthew 26, I think a revealing thing about the other disciples and also Judas. We're going to come back to Mark 14. But in Matthew chapter 26... In verse 8, we see this quote again. But when his disciples saw it, talking about the pouring of the ointment on Jesus' head, 26 and 8, Matthew. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? And there again, in ver and then look in verse 14, if you would. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests. And I just want to notice that then in verse 14. It tells us that this happened immediately after this. And a part of it, I think, had to do with money. Money, you know, money has a way of corrupting people. And he was the treasurer. He had the money. He, you know, sometimes we think because we're stewards over something that it belongs to us. It wasn't his money. It was God's money. But greed is a powerful and corrupting sin. That's, and it was his greed. He was a thief. I think when he saw that $300 uh, or that three, 300 pence, we, we talked about how that being 300 times a day's salary. That's $30,000 or so. When he saw this $30,000 wasted, 
He acted like it was his money, like, like he didn't want to see that money spent that way. And part of it is his greed. Greed, greed is a horrible thing. Sometimes we don't look at it and think about it as much as we should. I was thinking about this this morning, just going over my notes and my preparing for the sermon. And I thought about how a quote that we, we think of sometimes having to do with giving in Malachi, when Malachi was a prophet and he was delivering to the people of God, the words of God, and this is, this is what he said that God said about Israel. He says, you've robbed me. They, imagine somebody robbing God. Imagine somebody taking God. That's kind of what Judas is like. He's, he's wanting to take what should belong to God and his gods, and he's taking it for himself. And if we look at the passage, read the other text, we know that he got money for this. 30 pieces of silver, a very minor amount of money. But to me, a lot of it was about money. We're talking about who, who Judas was. How can we get into the mind of Judas and understand what he was? He was a disciple, but he was greedy. And not only that, he was a hypocrite. That's another interesting thing to think about. He was a hypocrite. And that sort of answers how a person could ever betray someone like Jesus. Because he was with Jesus physically, but he was not with him spiritually. And that's possible for a person today. It's possible for a person to be sitting among God's people and be there physically, but not be there spiritually. He served Jesus, but he was not surrendered to Jesus. I think he respected Jesus as a teacher, as a leader, but he did not recognize him as Lord. As a matter of fact, if you still have your hand there in Matthew chapter 26, I hope you do. When Jesus is explaining that someone's going to betray him in verse, uh, let's just look in verse 21, Matthew 26, 21. And it says, and they did eat, as they did eat, he said, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. And then looking down in verse 25, then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou sayest, thou hast said. In other words, yes, you're tr that's right. But notice this. In verse 22, when everyone else was saying, Is it I? They said, Lord, is it I? And in verse 25, when Judas asked the same question, he said, Master, is it I? Now that's not just incidental. He knew Jesus as a great teacher, but he did not know him as Lord. He never submitted himself to Jesus Christ. He never really committed himself to Jesus Christ. So go back to Matthew 14, if you would. Here we find him now in Matthew chapter 14 at the point that he's about to turn and to betray him, betray the Lord. Verse 10 says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. Um, it doesn't tell us here, and I'm not going to turn to it, but uh, in, God, in Luke's gospel, he said this, that Judas sought opportunity to betray Jesus, in, and here's a quote, in the absence of the multitude. So he wanted to betray him, but he didn't want to do it in front of the multitude. And that's again, is a, is a part of what betrayal is about. It kind of works in the shadows. It works in secret. Now here's another important thing. We're just talking about who Judas was. 
Here's another important thing, and that is Jesus did not act, or excuse me, Judas did not act alone. The Bible says, and I'm going to turn to John chapter 13 at this time, and I'd invite you to turn there with me. We're looking at several different narratives, John chapter 13, because Judas didn't do this on his own. The Bible says Satan entered into him. In John chapter 13, and John chapter 13 should be uh, in our mind as that great chapter where where Jesus washed the disciples' feet. But just prior to that, John chapter 13 and verse 2, it says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So Satan put this diabolical scheme in the mind of Judas. And then he entered into him. Look a little further there in John chapter 13 and look in verse uh, 26, where John is writing about the same time frame that we've been writing, reading now about in Matthew and in Mark. But in John 13, 26, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus, unto him that thou doest do quickly so Judas Judas didn't even come up with this idea on his own Satan had a role in it he put the idea in his mind by the way we ought to be careful what we what we do with the thoughts that come into our mind Satan put this idea in his mind and then the devil entered into him to help him carry it out so here's the way it works and by the way this is not just true about Judas this can be true about others Satan has a plan, but he needs somebody to carry it out. And it was Satan's plan. It wasn't Judas's plan. It was Satan's plan. He just needed a tool, and Judas was his tool. And we know what Satan's trying to do. We don't know how, we don't know exactly how he wanted this to pan out, but I'm telling you what, what Satan did not want. He did not want Jesus on the cross. He did not want him being crucified for the sins of mankind. And so somehow he's trying to get Jesus from going to the cross. That was Satan's plan. And so you say, well, we can, let's just blame the devil. No, you can't put all the blame of it on the devil because Judas had to open the door. Judas had to listen. Judas had to go along with these sinful, selfish, greedy, prideful ideas that were bouncing around in his head. And through his own rebellion and through his own stubbornness and through his own belief, he opened the door. So in, in Mark chapter 14, if you're back there, in Mark chapter 14, it tells us in verse 10 that he went to the chief priest to betray them. And then it tells us, and I believe this is chronologically accurate, then, he, then, he, then it tells us in verse, after that, if you look in verse 17, and in the evening... He cometh with the twelve, Jesus did, and they sat and did eat. As they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And I just mention that because it's an interesting thing. Judas was with the twelve. Judas went to the high priest. He begins this process of being paid 
for betraying Jesus. Then he goes back into that room with Jesus and the disciples and began to eat with them. To me, it's just it's something to imagine someone doing something so cruel, so so corrupt. And imagine that you're, you know, you're one of the twelve, and you're sitting there with Jesus, and they're having what we are people often refer to as the Last Supper. They're eating the Passover meal before Jesus goes to the cross. In one of these most intimate and important moments of human history, you're sitting there and not knowing that the traitor is sitting there in the group. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? It is to me. I mean, who could have known? Who could have known? Every time I think about this seriously, I wonder how how it was possible. In all these three, more than three years of praying with Jesus and working together as a team and evangelizing Galilee and times in Samaria and Judea, I mean, in all these things they're doing that somehow they did not know. Let me say, first of all, the wickedness of Judas was not a surprise to God. I mean, his, I said earlier, his betrayal is mentioned in the Old Testament. Let me just give you a quote from Psalm 41. Yea, this is from the psalmist. Mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So the Bible talks about this, and you say, well, how do you know that was talking about Judas? Because Jesus quoted. As a matter of fact, you know, go with me back to John for a moment. We were in John 13. We'll go back there. John chapter 13. This is, again, the chapter where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. In John chapter 13, after washing the disciples' feet in this great moment and explanation about servitude and Becoming, being like him. In John chapter 13, Jesus said in verse 17, If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And then verse 18, I speak not of you all. Now Jesus is saying this to the twelve. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. Notice the scripture he refers to. He that eateth bread with me, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come that when it, when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. So, you know, so he, he's, he's well aware of, of Judas's betrayal. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 6, Jesus said this, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Imagine that. One of you, one of you is a a devil. And so God knew, Jesus knew, and that again is, a, is an a amazing dynamic to throw into this, and that is how Jesus lived with the fact that he knew that Judas was going to betray him and yet did not treat him any differently than the other disciples or they would have picked up on it. Isn't that an amazing thing? I, don't, I couldn't have done that. I, I mean, if I, if I was sitting and serving and working with Judas, I, I couldn't have done that. But Jesus is not like any of us. 
So if you go back to Mark, again, chapter 14, it's obvious in verse 19 and 20 that the, the other disciples didn't know who the betrayer was. Verse 19, And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? Now, we've talked about this before, and it's worth just thinking about together. Imagine sitting in that room with Jesus and 11, uh, you're a disciple, you got 11 other disciples there. And it's not like he's speaking to a crowd of thousands and saying, somebody's going to betray me. He's talking to a dozen people. And he says, one of you is going to betray me. And one by one, it doesn't give us 11 of these responses or 12 responses, but one by one it says that they begin to say, is it I? Could it be me? And, and that's really something I think that's worth pausing and just meditating a little bit. Because some people say, well, it couldn't have been me. I never would have done that. I never, I never would betray the Lord. But I'm telling you, John said it. John the Beloved who leaned on Jesus' breast, he said it. Could it be me? And Peter said it. All of them said it. Matthew said it. Is, could it have been me? None of them knew who the betrayer was. And, you know, this is something I think worth, worth considering for a moment. You know, sometime in your life, sometime in my life, the occasion may come up uh, when someone may turn against us, when someone may betray us or betray the gospel or betray the Lord in some real and painful way. And, and you know what? We might be surprised and say, how, how did I not see this coming? But I'm telling you, the disciples never saw this coming. And, and one thing we can be certain of, nothing ever takes God by surprise. It may take us by surprise. It may absolutely floor us that so-and-so could do this. How could they do this? But I'm telling you, it never takes God by surprise. Now, we're still in Mark chapter 14, and we're going to just look quickly at this final act of betrayal. After this scene, Jesus takes the 11, and they make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. We'll talk about this some more in future lessons. They go there. They don't go there just to, to rest. They go there to pray. They go there to seek the Lord, and he, he leaves the majority of them and takes Peter, James, and John and goes a little closer and he begins to pray, and he's agonizing in the garden, and he's sweating, as it were, Luke says, great drops of blood. And while this is taking place, Jesus with the eleven, Judas is taking care of his business. He's gone to the chief priest, he's got his money, and he's going to come back. In Mark chapter 14, if you look with me in verse 42, Jesus said at the end of this time of praying, rise up. We're in Mark 14 and verse 42. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Jesus knew that Judas was doing his business and Judas is coming back and Judas is almost there. Verse 43 says, and immediately while these words were coming out of his mouth, while Jesus yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves. 
from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them, these multitude of people that are accompanying him, had given them a token, a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to Jesus, to him, and saith, Master, Master, again, not Lord, Master, Master, and kissed him, and they laid their hands on him and took him. So Judas comes, and Jesus addresses this in another gospel, you know, about how they came armed with swords and staves and said, why did you treat me now this way? You, used to, you came and listened to me teach. You heard my lessons. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And it doesn't tell us here in Mark 14, but Matthew's gospel records how this ended. And it wasn't pleasant. It tells us that Judas began to regret what he had done. He was filled with guilt and shame for what he had done. And he took the 30 pieces of silver that the chief priest had given him. He went back into the temple and he threw them on the floor, and then most of you know what happened after that. He went out and hung himself. So here was the deal. Satan had a plan. He wanted to distract or hinder Jesus. Judas was the instrument that the devil would use. But you know, as always happens, God used all this for his own purpose because his purpose was to go to Calvary, to be our sacrifice for our sin. So I find this pretty, I, I find it a very interesting biographical sketch, really, about a man who, who had great opportunity. It's not like God chose that he would reject his son, Jesus Christ, but he made a bunch of serious mistakes. Now, as we Wrap this up, there are two things I want to just mention from a practical sense. First of all, I want to say something about the pain of betrayal. Because there are probably people sitting here and listening to this and you felt that pain. Someone who claimed to be with you but turned against you. It happens in life. Uh, it can even happen among people who profess to be saved. We, we see it played out in the scriptures numerous times in places that you're familiar with. For instance, when Joseph experienced it when his brothers sold him as a slave. Imagine that kind of betrayal. For your own flesh and blood, your own brothers to turn against you. David experienced it with Absalom. David, a man after God's own heart, was the second king of Israel. And yet his son turned against him, turned, tried to take the kingdom from him. We, we, have these, we have these examples in the Bible and some people may be sitting here and you can't even relate to that because nothing like that has ever happened to you. But some people have lived through that. The pain of betrayal. Paul had the same experience. People turned against him. And there's a sense in which, and I've actually heard this verbalized more than once in my life by different people, when somebody gets hurt deeply by someone that they love, they, they tend to say, well, I'm never going to trust or love anybody again. Maybe you've heard somebody say that. Maybe you've even said that. But I, I want to just ask this question. What would Jesus do? You know what Jesus did? He loved Judas. 
And I'm not saying I'm like Jesus. I'm far from it. But Jesus loved Judas. He never, he never treated Judas in, in a way that anyone else would get the idea that Judas was a traitor. That's an amazing thing. And you know what I think he was doing? He gave Judas every opportunity to repent and to be saved. What a savior we have. So if you've experienced the pain of betrayal and maybe you've, maybe you've said, I'll, I'll never get over this, you can. By the grace of God, we can. And we can still love people. By the way, love, real love always kind of sticks your neck out and realizes it could hurt in the long run. But it's always the best thing is to love people. Then I want to say this. This will be the last point I want to make. I'd like for all of us to consider, could, could we ever betray the Lord or, or betray God's people in the way Judas did? I think it would be very foolish, very unwise not to keep this in our mind when we think about Judas Iscariot. His betrayal could be traced to his lack of character, to his hypocrisy, to his greed, to his dishonesty. He acted like a Christian, but he wasn't really a Christian. He associated with the disciples, but he was not a true convert. He spent time with those who loved and served Jesus, but he never gave himself to Jesus. And you say, well, I, I don't know that a person could ever go just from there to becoming what he was. I think that's what I get out of the text. That's where he was, and he ended up being what we know him to be. So the question for you is, and the question for me is, are we true followers of Jesus? Or are we hypocrites? You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is someone who lets their actions say one thing when their heart really believes something else. And Judas lived that life. For three and a half years, he lived that life. Acting like a disciple, preaching the gospel, being a treasurer, you know, the things that disciples do. And I just think when I read this, I don't just read this and think, man, what a jerk. What a jerk. Judas was. I read it and I also think, you know, could that, have, could that be any of us? You know, I think it'd be a good time to examine myself. Is, is, my heart, is, is my heart really in this thing with Jesus? How loyal are we to Jesus? You know, what would it take for you to walk away? As I studied through this passage, I thought, this is where unconfessed sin, this is where um, living a hypocritical life, being one thing when you're around your parents, one thing when you're around your husband or wife, one thing when you're in church, but something entirely different. That's a hypocrite. And you know what? Satan rewarded Judas for his evil deeds. He rewarded him. First of all, he rewarded him with 30 pieces of silver. But then he also rewarded him with an overwhelming sense of guilt and shame that led to him taking his own life. Nothing good can ever come from rejecting Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here today as a young person or adult, and Christianity is not something 
that describes the way you are, then you ought to examine your own heart today. Am I a real disciple? Am I a real follower of Jesus Christ? And I'm not saying that you would ever betray Jesus the way Judas did, but something that I say periodically because I believe it's true, in many cases, time will tell. You know, a person could... A person could have watched Judas for three years and said, man, this guy is a follower of Jesus. But time will tell. And a person could sit in church, especially grow, in ch- grow up in church, parents come to church, bring people, and you know, they, it looks like they're the real deal. It looks like this person really loves the Lord and we, don't, we can't see inside a person. All of a sudden you wonder, what in the world happened? Time will tell. And if a person is not a real follower of Jesus, it will surface at some point in time, right? I I personally find this, this biographical sketch of Judas quite fascinating. I find it very interesting. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a hypocrite in any form, in any sense of the word. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be a true follower of Jesus Christ and I hope you do as well and if you're sitting here today and you say well I just don't know if I really am or not well that'd be just be a good time to have a gut check that's not a biblical term but you know what I mean (laughs) be a good time to have a gut check and say is this is this me sitting here reading the Bible studying the Bible worshiping God is just is this really me or is this just some some act that I'm putting on and if it's not the real you you need real salvation (laughs) Amen? The real deal. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're able to stand. Are you a true disciple? Are you a sincere follower of Christ? If not, May may the Lord trouble your heart about it until you come to him. Come with sincere repentance, faith in Jesus Christ. Our Father, as we pray today, we think about your, your wonderful plan We think about your providence, your sovereignty, and how you take even the schemes of the devil and the handiwork that he does in people's lives, and you use all things for your honor and your glory, and we praise you for that today, and we thank you for that today. And I know there are many people who question why. Why would... Why would one of the twelve be a hypocrite? Why would one of the twelve not be sincere and be a betrayer? We don't know the answers to all those questions, but we don't know this, that you do all things well. We praise you for it today.